This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back to Grant and Danny on the fan. I am live. At Radio Row in Las Vegas at Mandalay Bay, Danny is in our Half Street Studios. Got to welcome in our Richmond audience, AM 910 FM 1051, who will be with us for the next three hours. Everybody else listening all over the DMV on 106.7, we much appreciate you. Our coverage all week long of the big game on 106.7, the fans presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit solostove.com as promised caller number 10 at 800-636-1067 call right now 10th caller you're going to win two tickets to see the capitals and the devils tuesday february 20th at capital one arena tickets are on sale now for tickets and more event information go to the fandc.com we're joined on site here at radio row by daryl moose johnston an 11-year dallas cowboy three-time super bowl champion two-time pro bowler and a great analyst on Fox for many years. He is now the vice president of football operations of the UFL, the newly merged USFL and XFL. A lot of our listeners in D.C. very excited that the defenders are back and that this league seems to be getting stronger with the two sides coming together. Yeah, I do. I do believe you're exactly right. It, it got stronger. You know, the, the league got stronger. Um, it's been hard for one league to, to find sustainability in the spring, and I think it was going to be very challenging for both of us to find sustainability in the spring when you talk about the USFL and the XFL. So um, the merger came together. Obviously, we each lost half of our league, uh, and that's not a, a great thing, and it was very challenging for Russ Brandon and I to kind of work through that whole scenario. But it did create an opportunity for us through different dispersal mechanisms to bring a lot of those players back into the fold. So I think the talent is as good as it's ever been when you talk about spring football. I think there was always a hesitation for the guys, whether you're in 2019 with the AAF or 2020 in the first iteration of the XFL, to really kind of embrace it and think that this was a legitimate opportunity to take an alternative path to get back to the NFL. And then the success that we had in the USFL in season one in 2022, and then both of us being able to finish our seasons and crown champions last year, I think that, that that gives the confidence to a lot of these guys that maybe were on the fence about coming to spring football, and we're starting to see that right now. We're seeing guys that have been in the NFL. You're going to recognize their names. They've gotten off track. They've fallen off the radar a little bit, and they're coming to us to get back on the radar and get another shot to get back into the NFL. Daryl Moose Johnston, 11 years with the Cowboys. We won't talk as much about that, but we can talk about <laughs> a three-time champ and a two-time pro bowler uh, with us here in D.C. So you are obviously a huge proponent of spring football. You've been a part of now multiple leagues, different iterations. For people like me who really want this to work, why do you think it hasn't yet? There are people that just say it can't work. It's not the NFL. It's, it's a level down. What's it going to take to have a sustainable league that – for 20, 30 years is thriving in however many markets you guys choose to be in eventually. 
I think that this is the, the time for a league like this to show that it is viable. And, and I think we have the right people in place. Um, th- there's a lot of really good football people here. And, and that's not to say the other leagues didn't have it. Shoot, I worked with Bill Polian and Charlie Ebersol in the Alliance. I mean, those are two football guys. Um, so, But what we have here is we've got a number of people that have been through the process, through the spring tries. And, and I think we, we remember what worked we remember where we made mistakes and what our pitfalls were, um, so we're wiser. Um, we're not making the same mistakes, just like our players don't make don't make the same mistake twice. And, and we're doing that as a league. And, and I, I really do believe that we always talked in the USFL from the standpoint of crawl, walk, run. Don't try to grow too quick. I think some of the other leagues may have tried to grow too quick. And and I think that the the methodology that we have now, following that 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 plan is going to give us the opportunity to, to be sustainable. And, and the, now that the mergers come together, uh, I think it gives us a great chance. I, I think you look back, there's a number of re- finances. It, it's, ex- it's so expensive to prop up a league. So you've got to have great partners behind you from a financial standpoint. And when you talk about Fox and you talk about Redbird Capital, to be able to promote when you talk about a, a Dwayne Johnson and a Danny Garcia who are going to be you know, part of, of what you're doing moving forward and, and the, the eyes that they command. Um, there's just so many of the critical pieces in place in this attempt that were not there in the other ones. Was it a block from early on that DC would would keep a team? I mean, it, I think a lot of us have been impressed by just how much the city quickly latched onto something that came from nothing. Like, there's no history here, but there were sellouts. The environment's been amazing. A lot yeah. of it has to do. You've called games for Fox many years at FedEx Field. It's not a good atmosphere. People hated Dan Snyder. That was all a factor, I think. But it really was as, as fun an experience as you could have as a D.C. sports fan. For a while, we didn't know if they were going to have a team. How quickly into the process did you guys go, D.C. somewhere we should be? Oh, very early. I, I think it was hard. The, the eight that we settled on, I think if you look back at, at everything and, and really were truthful, those were the eight that should have gone. Um, and th- that doesn't mean that that Seattle shouldn't be a part of it. That doesn't mean that the New Jersey general shouldn't have been a part of it. Um, but when you go back and you really look and you're honest with yourself, if we're going into the marketplace, if we're going to travel into the marketplace to play the home games, these were the eight places that we should be playing our games. So DC was at the top early on because of what you said. Number one, they earned the right because of what they showed, not, not just last year, but in 2020. Yeah. You know, they're undefeated. You know, when you play in D.C., the beer snake is a great organic tradition that has emerged from the fan base. That's awesome. You guys had two sellouts. I mean, you guys earned the right to have the opportunity to be a part of the UFL. And I'm I'm thrilled that you are to that point. One of the things I did not like about the USFL was the hub cities make great sense. Financially, it's almost a necessity, probably in terms of practicing. But the games essentially being in those cities. Yeah. If I'm a D.C. fan, it's just hard for me to ever really, I use the phrase latch on, the whole point is going to the game, buying the gear, being in your arena, walking up and going to your sports bar. I don't know if it worked or not. Obviously, you guys are now playing in the stadiums. Was there ever a chance with the merger that you were going to do it the other way, or did you know right away, okay, the way the XFL did it is probably the best way forward in terms of where the games need to be played? Remember our methodology, right? Crawl, walk, run. So year, you were always planning one, on getting there. Yeah, year gotcha. one, crawl, eight in one spot. Year two, start to walk. Yep. Four spots, two teams in each spot. Year three, 
let's, so this let's was walk faster. Yeah. We're not running yet. But, yeah, we were always – our goal was always to get all of our teams into their home market spot, gotcha. even if we had to relocate because there were certain ones that we looked at that were becoming very challenging for us to try and get in there. There was a lot of different things that were going on in the spring. Uh, I think a lot of people don't understand how big lacrosse is when you get into the Northeast. And, and if you're trying to find a venue to practice, to call your home, it's hard. There's a lot of lacrosse occupying fields up in the Northeast. So there's a lot of things that once you sit down and you look at where you want to be, there are things that you didn't even consider being an issue. Mm. You know, hey, we're, we're a professional spring football league. Yeah, but we've got a contract with some, some really good college lacrosse colleges, clubs. So there's, there were a lot of challenges that were unanticipated for us. And, and, but to your point, you know, we, we were going to get all of our teams into their home markets eventually because – I've been at a Houston game in Memphis. I've been I've been at a New Orleans game in Birmingham. I've been at a Philly game in um, in Michigan. And then to have Pittsburgh and New-Jersey in Canton was kind of the, you know, kind of the outlier in that and how do you make that work? So we, we were well aware of what our challenges were as we were going through that process. But the big thing for us was we knew how good it would be at the end of that when we got everybody into their home market. Daryl Moose Johnson, Executive Vice President, Football Ops for the United Football League, now merging the USFL, the XFL. I love that you guys have been an experimental ground for rules, a lot of which are outstanding, and many of which the NFL has taken. They should take more. Fourth and 15, as opposed to the onside kick tomorrow. Mm Mm-hmm. Kickoff rules, I think, are better in the XFL, USFL, than they have been uh, in the National Football League. How much more can you turn up that fader? And do you work directly with the National Football League on that in the way that, say, the Independent League Professional Baseball does with MLB? And MLB goes, hey, we're thinking about electronic balls and strikes. Would you guys do this? How does that relationship work? There's a little bit of that. You know, there's conversations because of the relationships that Mike Pereira and Dean Blandino have with, with the rules committee in the NFL. So there's always constant dialogue there. Um, you, you'll probably be upset with this, but we are, we are leaning more towards, and it, it'll be announced here soon when the rules come out, but we will be using the USFL kickoff instead of the XFL kickoff. Um, you know, we feel that it's more important to have movement at the time of the kick than to have, you know, stationary players uh, fielding the ball and moving. We looked at our injury data. We looked at your injury data. There, there wasn't enough of a delta, um, so we wanted to stay more traditional there. Th- that's one of the big ones that the NFL is, is going to have eyes on um, because, truth be told, you know, I, I don't know if they really want the kickoff to be around anymore anyways. Um, we really feel like that's been a platform for our players to launch the opportunity to get to the NFL, whether it's a Cavante tournament uh, that gets to Dallas and then find his niche in, in being a kind of a gadget guy. But our return guys have been able to flourish, and, and we, we encourage the, ret- the return. It also gives our players an opportunity to show themselves on film in the core four special teams. Uh, that's the best opportunity for our guys to get back to the NFL. The Brandon Aubrey's of the world, the Cavante Turpins of the world. I'm sure the XFL has their guys too. But when you talk about guys that get to the next level and have that much of a splash, where we really want to be seeing our guys get to the NFL is the third running back on a team, the fourth tight end on a team, the fifth wide receiver on a team. And they chose our player over one of the free agents that was out there because they saw him on film on special teams and knew we could block, knew we could tackle in space. Uh, that, that's where we're going to start to funnel our players up more and more. When we have a splash player, that's going to be fantastic for, for what our league creates the opportunity for. But we want to be more consistent in getting guys up there to, to, to be, uh, 
have that opportunity to be on an NFL roster. Moose Johnston won three Super Bowls. We're here at Radio Row in Vegas at Mandalay Bay. Looking ahead to Sunday, looks like the line moved a little bit now, another half point in the direction of the Chiefs. Not surprising. I think a lot of people have decided they don't want to bet against Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I think it's, a, it's an unwise thing. Um, when you can win in Buffalo and you can win in Baltimore, uh, I think that says a lot. I, I think the great thing about this game is there were big question marks about both teams, uh, you know, kind of going into the playoffs. Yeah, Kansas City's been fantastic, but they've always played at Arrowhead, and Arrowhead's one of the hardest places to play. How are you going to do in Buffalo? How are you going to do in Baltimore? Well, question answered. The one about San Francisco, you're a front-running team. You like to get out and get ahead and then turn your defensive loose, your defense loose and, and make it really, really hard for the other team to get back into the game. They were down by five or more for the first time and won a game against Green Bay in the divisional round. They tied the largest comeback uh, when you talk about the NFC Championship game being down 17. I think that was a big question that San Francisco had to answer. So we've had two teams answer those questions, and it was weird because last night the last Super Bowl they played in was on television, and San Francisco was up 10 in the fourth quarter. And that's their wheelhouse, and Patrick Mahomes finds a way to win that game. So I I think that this is going to be one of the better Super Bowls that we've seen, and I really do believe it's going to be one of those games where it comes down to does Patrick Mahomes or Brock Purdy have the ball last in his hands. I think it could be that type of game. Moose Johnson of the UFL. Defenders open March 31st, their first home game at Audi Field in D.C., April 7th. Thank you for the time. We appreciate you. you. Thanks for all your interest in what we're doing. I appreciate it. You're you're a great ally, a great friend. Thank Thank you. you so much. Moose Johnston was a really good analyst on Fox as well, Danny. I always enjoyed him. He worked with a bunch of different partners over the years, but he probably did numbers approximate, like 8,000 Redskins games with uh, Kenny Albert, I think it was. He's done a good job in everything he's done, and now he's charged with doing something. You and I have talked about this a lot. I think you're probably more right than I am just hopeful, which you've kind of adamantly always said. It's a really, really difficult thing to make one of these spring leagues work. Mm-hmm. But he seems hell-bent on it. Yeah, and I love that, honestly. Like, it's it, it's clearly a passion project, right? Because imagine you just stay in your Fox gig or stay in your, your TV announcing gig, and there's no downside, right? You'll keep calling games. You're, you're, you've got a pretty luxurious lifestyle. You put in your you, you got your pelts on the wall as a great NFL player uh, with all the Super Bowls that you referenced a couple times uh, throughout the interview. That is a huge challenge, though, to make something that hasn't really been able to stick long-term stick long-term. And there's clearly a vision for it. There's clearly a design for it. There's momentum now with, you know, kind of the, I think the XFL, if you're just sort of judging from afar, more successful than that USFL uh, kind of 2.0. You bring the best of both together, though, for kind of a strengthened version to me of, the, of that XFL. It's, it's as good a shot as anybody's had to, to try to make something stick and make it work. I'm looking around at Radio Row as we talk live here on Grant and Danny, and there's a trend that I had jotted down to mention to you that as someone who does comedy and, like, social media stuff and you've dabbled, what is the trend, what is the deal with people who love doing interviews holding tiny microphones? It's, it's the dumbest looking yes, thing is. in the world. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. So normally so, it would be a clip-on mic that correct. you would have on a, on a movie set or a TV like a set or whatever. Now yeah. that you just hold it. Mm-hmm. It's like a tiny, tiny, tiny little ice cream cone or something. You just hold this microphone right in front of someone's face as if that 
I don't know. It, to me, it looks like you forgot to clip it on or you don't have the right equipment. Yeah. But it's now become what everybody does who does this social media stuff. When did that happen? I don't know, and I don't like it. Um, You'll be surprised to know that I don't like it. But, yeah, it's pretty, pretty recent, I would say. It's the, like, the dude that's on uh, Snapchat or the Instagram guys. Like, Yo, what's the craziest thing you've ever done on vacation? Like, you know what I mean? And, like, some girl's like, I'm an I 1,000%. That's what I think. 20, I, like, it's, you know, whatever. It's not interesting. I don't, I don't care about any of that stuff. But, like, that's who's doing it. It's an Instagram Reels yes. thing. But I'm telling you, because Radio Row, when, when I started coming to this, first time I came to Radio Row was, shoot, I mean, Tom Brady was winning his first couple Super Bowls, right? This is, like, way back, maybe Super Bowl 36, New Orleans, something like that. But I, I only went a couple times as a kid, and then I wasn't cute anymore, and then I wasn't in the media anymore. You know how that old story goes, Danny. That old but chestnut. That, that, old, <laughs> that old girl. But um, me and you went to Radio Row for the first time. What Super Bowl would that have been? Do you so remember? It was in New York, whenever, whatever one that one okay. was. I, by the way, I'm terrible with Super Bowl numbers. Little, little yeah, known fact well, about me. I hate Roman numerals. Like Every time we get a guest on, like Donovan McNabb's walking over here to join us in one minute. And I'm looking down, I'm going, what Super Bowl did he play in with the Patriots and the, the Eagles? And it was like XXXIX, and I'm like, what does that even mean? Like RCT5? Yeah, I don't know. So I'm assuming it was 39, but regardless, I want to get rid of the Roman numerals. But when I first started coming to these Super Bowls years and years and years ago, Radio Row was just radio stations. And now it is, I would say, I don't know, 60% radio stations, but the rest of it is... People on camera with those little microphones and podcasts, which are effectively the same. TV sets, yeah. The game is changing. One other thing you would hate. I wonder why you didn't come, by the way. You, you would have hated pretty much everything that goes on here, oh, actually, okay. as I think about it. All right. You know what a lot of people are wearing out here? No. Like dozens of them are those giant hats that Brian Robinson used to wear oh. in the locker room. And they're fun, and I like them. They haven't but it gone seems away like, Seems like something that you would hate because you don't like fun. Yeah, that's, they don't fit people. Correctly. Um, they haven't gone away. Like that, it was a really stupid trend at first, and I was hoping it would just dissipate at like those dumb things do. It's st- they're still going, huh? They're hopping, man. That's bad news. It's a real deal. It's you a hate thing. to see it. Uh, the Defenders, as I mentioned, open April 7th at Audi Field. I would love to get you out to a game this year. What are your thoughts on that? You bring the kids. We'll get you into a, the club level. We'll get you some food and drink. I want you to experience Audi Field, man. It's really fun. I love Audi Field. Uh, yeah, I, I imagine there's 214 soccer games and 11 baseball games and another soccer game and maybe a lacrosse camp or something like that uh, that probably would be in the way of me shuttling my kids each and every weekend, but I, I'm, there might be an opportunity. All right, we have not today. We've been busy. We're talking Super Bowl 58. We've not gotten into something last night that I read that disappointed me, but more importantly took me aback, and it is about the involvement of Martin Mayhew in the commander's head coaching search. I think people could be surprised just how in the mix he was throughout the process. What does this mean? We're going to get into that. We're also going to catch up with Donovan McNabb, it sounds like, in the next few minutes. Live from Vegas, Grant and Danny on the fan. Grant and Danny on the fan. Danny is in D.C. I'm out in Vegas at Radio Row. Big game coverage on 106.7 The Fan, presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, solostove.com. Ben Standig posted an interesting poll on Twitter about 
what D.C. front office you have the most faith and confidence in to do a good job right now? I want to address that a little bit later in the show. I think that's a fascinating question. There's a lot of new because it's complicated. Yeah, front offices go. So maybe you get the benefit of the doubt because they haven't screwed up yet. But we'll dive into that on Grant and Danny. Uh, specifically, though, we were just talking about Martin Mayhew and his involvement in the head coaching search. So I'm sure you read the Albert Breer piece that I read oh, yeah. yesterday. Uh, for those of you who haven't, I tweeted out a link to it at Grant H. Paulson. You can go check it out, SI.com. He's the writer of their MMQB story. And he basically wrote a behind-the-scenes detailed look on the commander's coaching search and how they landed on Dan Quinn. Uh, I'm going to read a few excerpts from what he had to say in a second. But what I took out of that story, and it had a lot of great nuggets, a lot of things we hadn't heard previously, Martin Mayhew was super involved. It was Myers, Spielman, who they brought in as their search firm, so to speak, Harris, Peters, the GM, those four, and then pretty much Martin Mayhew. And Mayhew was in on all of the meetings with Peters. There were some second-round meetings where Peters inevitably, after four or five hours, would get an hour by himself after a meal break or whatever just to go one-on-one with the coaching candidates. I don't know what I expected because we know that Mayhew's staying. My guess is he's going to be some type of an assistant general manager, something like that. He's been a longtime GM in different stops, but now he's an assistant GM. I think that's going to be the title. So it's not weird necessarily that he was in on the meetings. I just kind of thought Myers, Spielman, Peters, Harris, probably a good enough firm. You want to throw in Magic or Mitch Rails or something cool. But, man, after the last four years, the way this thing's gone with that front office, for Mayhew to be sitting right next to Peters in these interviews, I would have lost a lot of money on that bet. Yeah, it is weird to me. Your point about, well, I guess he's staying, so it's not unusual. My point is that's unusual. Like, you were cheesing next to Ron Rivera, agreeing with everything he said. Behind the scenes, you were part of this regime that was terrible. I, I, I'm upset about this. I don't like it. Now, I don't know if, you know, if, if it's, not, it's not like he's, he's winning the argument or, or you know, standing on the table for Dan Quinn so they chose him over Raheem Morris or something else. But with all due respect to the guy who's you know, built a career for himself and was a, was a player here, I have no interest in him being involved in any decision other than you know, what temperature to take the boiling water off for, so everyone can have afternoon tea. I would like him to be out of the organization, all the Martys, everybody that's part of that old group that was overmatched and couldn't do it and had no clue what the left hand was doing while the right hand was making the wrong call. I think this is a misstep. I think it's wrong. And I understand there's a previous relationship there uh, between Peters and Mayhew, and they're friendly. I get that. Totally understand. There's a lot of guys that you're friends with that you've worked with that probably shouldn't be involved in this organization. That's one, given the baggage of everything else. As a, as a fan, as somebody who watched and listened and stood in utter disbelief that this is this was the course you're taking probably dozens of times, I, that's discouraging to me. I don't like that fact, and I'm probably way more upset about that than most people. I think there's two possibilities here in terms of Mayhew hanging around. One would be Josh Harris doesn't want to pay him not to work. You know, you deal with billionaires sometimes, and what you find out pretty quickly is they didn't get rich by just wasting money. And so if a guy's under contract, it's not like it's Ron Rivera, you don't have a choice, you blow him out with a year left. Eric bieniemy has got a year left on his contract, and you say, no thank you. This is a behind-the-scenes person. Uh, you can have him in the building and get value out of him by having him watch film, write reports, you know, provide feedback. Let's face it, Adam Peters has never done this before. 
So even though he's a better evaluator and presumably and hopefully going to be a much better GM than Martin Mayhew, just because Mayhew has been a GM in multiple iterations over two organizations, maybe there's just some value to having him around and Peters can bounce things off of him. He's already on the payroll. I guess I would save my frustration for if they extended him. Like if they decide Mayhew's just their long-term assistant general manager and he gets some three- or four-year deal as the year goes on, now I'm a little bit annoyed or frustrated possibly. But at this moment, I just think he's under contract. You're paying him a lot of money. You can either pay him that money to write some reports and hang out and have an office and answer the phone when he's asked the question, or he could just be sitting on a beach somewhere drinking a daiquiri. So I hear you. That's option one. The other is that Peters actually really thinks highly of what he does. And this is very possible. I have no idea. I haven't asked Adam Peters about this. I don't know anything about their relationship other than that they were in San Francisco together, obviously. But it is possible, Danny, that those two guys had a good working rapport, that Peters thinks he's really smart and really awesome and a great evaluator. Like We have no idea. The problem with that is I got a few years of sample that say recalibrate, if you would, for me, Adam. But maybe he came in here and he said, I'm glad Marty's here. That's one of my boys. That's And that's my fear. I, I got a little patched update real quick. I mean, Peters has an older uh, version, maybe in terms of uh, what he's used to on his laptop. I got, I got the 2.1 right here. Uh, it's with all the latest notes from the last four years, which uh, are terrible. It's an awful report card. I mean, to me, this is I, – I, and I hear you. It's a, it's a practical point about, like, the real goings-on of an organization. Like, you could pay somebody – Millions of dollars to not work for you, or you could you know get something out of them. I, I totally understand that, et cetera. And they're trying to do this open mind thing, and we're not just gonna um, you know uh, lock people's heads off because we're new and they're old, et cetera. They're trying to be reasonable about stuff. And God bless them. I I need my pound of flesh. I need it. I didn't get it. I had to wait the whole season when we knew Rivera was going to be fired after you know uh, the you know the Chicago game on a Thursday night. I as a fan, sometimes this isn't fair. This is sort of a passion thing for me, right? As somebody that follows the team and loves them. And I know a lot of people, you guys out there, presumably listening to us on the old sports radio, feel similarly. I need you to do a big sweeping gesture that says everything Dan touched that turned to turd, that then burnt and was covered in skunk juice, is going to go away. This stupid cockamamie structure of coach-centric where they were up there grinning with and, and, and agreeing with Ron Rivera, no. Everyone who did that, gone. Everybody who brought me uh, Carson Wentz and Ryan Fitzpatrick and whatever page of analytics Ron Rivera read for 20 minutes in Indianapolis, no, wrong, gone. Everybody who brought me Emmanuel Forbes in that video saying he might be there for us, he probably will be because no one else wants him. Wrong, gone, go away. I need them all to be gone. I won't be happy until they are. I guess, I guess maybe that's as simple as I could put it. Yeah, I get that. It's not fair, and it's not fair to those guys. Probably some of them may be really qualified, smart, right. good people. And, but and that's that would where I'm at. be where I'd push back against you: is you're going to lose. I don't mean in this specific example, but just in general, that philosophy, you're going to miss out on some really talented people. I get it, John Schneider and Trent Falke, and, and frankly, honestly, you know, we talk about this graphic of coaches. You don't, you wouldn't have kept Sean McVay around, right? When Jay Gruden came in, you wouldn't have had him as your OC, who turned into what he did, or Shanahan, or any of that other staff, McDaniel and and Lafleur. So there are good people in bad situations. There are smart thinkers. There are quality well, employees at bad companies. Yes, w- without a doubt. Let me let me just push back on your pushback. What which level of pushing are we? Am I pushing? How many pushes you? are there? Did you push me first, or am I pushing you? Um, this these are Ron Rivera production guys. So in other words, like, 
you're 100% right. Guys that cross multiple regimes here, like um, uh, uh, Schaefer. Really, really smart dude. Was here for a long time, running their uh, salary cap stuff. Really good guy. I never said that guy's got to go because he knows Dan Snyder. This was Ron Rivera, coach-centric, Dan Snyder's stupidity, brought in sure. some yes-men. I want those yes-men gone. But, but I, just I see mean, your point. The way you're arriving at that reality isn't just your disdain for the Rivera era. You in the past have felt this way, too, where you like to wipe clean when you've decided a group was bad. And my point is just, like, a bad secondary doesn't mean there's not a good corner that's worth keeping. Mm -hmm. You know, a bad defensive line doesn't mean there's not a D tackle that you should pay and and keep around. I think a lot of times people, at the end of the Mike Shanahan era, when they went 3-13, and like that shabingus of a season, right? What you you get is everyone goes, get rid of everybody. And my point is that that's not always the best way forward necessarily. But here's some of those excerpts I wanted to get to from the Breer piece. Again, really, really good nuggets. You can find some of these at Grant H. Paulson. He talked about the interviewing process for Washington in general. He said the five, meaning the five people, so it was Harris, uh, it was Myers, Spielman, Peters, and Mayhew. Those were the five guys. He said that they graded each of the candidates interviewed, there were eight of them, in a number of categories, including leadership, intelligence, communication, ability to build a staff, honesty and integrity, and consistency of personality. I don't really get the last one. I guess that means is he going to be the same guy when we're winning versus losing? I don't know how you figure that out in a meeting. I don't know how you, like, when you're basically speed dating, determine how that's going to work a couple years from now. So that category notwithstanding, because it didn't make sense to me really, I think this is a good basis. Now, my priority, my proclivity has been hire an offensive coach. We've talked a lot about that. What they cared about was leadership, intelligence, communication, ability to build a staff, honesty and integrity like those are the the hallmarks that's where you start to try to find a head coach obviously right because you're really talking about at the end of the day you can you can't be in every place at all times right you, you can put out fire certainly you're dealing with major big picture stuff but you can't be in every meeting room uh you know didn't mike shannon at one point like put cameras in meeting rooms so that he could almost monitor them and like check into what yeah. the different position groups are doing I mean, you could do your best there but you can't be ubiquitous so your ability to assemble the team to implement your will and implement your design implement your culture right every defensive line meeting needs to be up to snuff with the offensive line meeting the receivers meeting etc so yeah of course all those things make sense and you're and you're ultimately dealing with people and leadership trickles down all right here's the next thing i found really interesting so here's the format of the second interviews. So they did their first interview, which was a lengthy Zoom call for several hours. For the second interviews, which everyone other than Enemy, all seven of the outside candidates got second interviews, the format for the second interviews was also a little different. They'd start with Peters and Spielman and Mayhew, just those three, by the way. It's like football guys. GM Peters, former GM Mayhew, former GM Spielman. Those three would sit there. They'd talk for a couple hours. Then there'd be a break. Then go two hours with Myers and Harris. So this is now your non-football, your creator of the Warriors dynasty, like businessman, uh, organization builder with Myers, and Josh Harris himself. They would join in with the other GMs. So now all five would be there. And then after a couple of hours and another break, they would finish up with Peters getting one-on-one time with the candidate. So that's complicated, but think about how long of a day that is for these interviews. So they do a couple of hours, Peter Spielman-Mayhew, break. Then they bring in Myers-Harris, and it's five deep. Spielman-Mayhew-Peters, Myers-Harris. 
then break, and then it's just one-on-one Adam Peters and that coaching candidate to see how they hit it off. And it goes without saying, him and Dan Quinn hit it off pretty well. Those guys look like they're the two best friends anyone could ever have you know, so far, which is going to be important. Uh, as for the Dan Quinn interview, uh, he wrote, Quinn's interview at the Four Seasons in Georgetown. By the way, that's where Bourbon Steak is. Yeah, it's where you and I get some steaks every once in a while. Shout I wonder to, if our guy win saw him. Guarantee yeah. our guy win saw him. Our sommelier win. You think he saw them come in for the lock. interview? Absolute lock. He did. I should have been eating at Bourbon Steak. I could have seen Dan Quinn. That was seven thirty a.m. So I don't know what he was doing there. I don't know if he's pairing any wines <laughs> at, at breakfast. Yeah, I don't think I was eating any steak at that time. Uh, Quinn's interview at the Four Seasons, seven thirty a.m. in Georgetown. Peters and Spielman and Mayhew saw a coach shot out of a cannon, feeling Quinn's passion for his work, his excitement about the commander's job in particular. How the mutual connections between the football folks in the room created a natural chemistry. When Peters and Quinn went one-on-one, the GM wrote down that this was someone he'd want to work with. Again, I come back to that relationship. It seems like this was Peters' decision primarily, and I think Quinn really won him over. I think Adam Peters seems smitten by Dan Quinn. I'm, I'm quite sure Kyle had something to do with that, right? Kyle Shanahan worked for Dan Quinn. In Atlanta, Kyle and Peters are very close from their time in San Fran. He bounced all this off Shanahan and John Lynch and others. Um, so that had to be a factor. There was a, a nugget here about Ben Johnson as well I wanted to pass along. Washington's party of five then boarded for Detroit and found out over the in-flight Wi-Fi on X, formerly known as Twitter, that Johnson had pulled out of their search. Minutes later, a text from the OC sent at 12.45 p.m. came to them to inform them of his decision. So they actually didn't even find out via the text message from Ben Johnson. They found out from a report Mm. on Twitter that Ben Johnson didn't want to be the coach, and then a text message, which I will reiterate, Danny, is not a very good look. It's a terrible look. And, uh, yeah, again, that's why I said I cannot believe how Johnson handled this or didn't handle it, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think it's embarrassing for him, and and he and his agent are, 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 of course, trying to do damage control. There was that weird, those guys seem like basketball guys, okay? Good zing, buddy. You really, you really, you know, not Adam my Peters right is there. a huge basketball. Yeah, guy. you're known for his basketball. I mean, just, I thought that was so chicken ass, so pathetic. But yeah, it, it's a terrible look, quite frankly. But you know, uh, bygones are bygones. There. Our double play is next. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports. Also at four o'clock, Beltway Blitz time on Grant and Danny. We're giving away tickets to see Steve Trevino at MGM National Harbor. You're listening to the fan. Remember to kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad. They're the official G&D show sponsor. We appreciate them helping us out. They were out supporting us on Friday night at our big station event. Great to hang with those guys, yeah. They're great dudes. They got a big table, brought their buddies. It was awesome. Uh, They'll protect your assets and update your will and trust for you. Schedule an estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys, Lake Product and GMU guys. Uh, locals they make the process easy not fun to think about your future in that way but somebody's got to do it and they will take care of it for you mention the show get a discount that's kmlawyers.com our coverage of the big game on 106.7 the fan is presented by solo stove feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit solostove.com it is time for our double play 
Uh, I love solo stoves. I just want to say that for the record. I'm a solo stove guy, big fan. Everyone in the family's got one. Uh, it is happening, GP. Little tweet here. It's a tweet from Front Office Sports. For the first time, Netflix will spend a full season following an MLB franchise, in this case, the Boston Red Sox. We'll watch them go behind the scenes as they win 74 games uh, this upcoming year. They're not spending. I don't know what the hell they're doing. But whatever, they're going to do this. It's their own version of Hard Knocks. The Red Sox will give Netflix unprecedented access to players, coaches, execs in 2024. Docu-series will set 2025. Netflix is now to the point where they are calling their shot. They're wiggling the bat like Gary Sheffield in his prime. Giant dip in the lower left quadrant of his lip. Anticipating fastball, getting a cookie 2-0, and hitting moonshots. They do sports documentaries as good or better than anybody. I think this is going to be a wheelhouse, absolute smashola. I think it's going to be outstanding. Is this a two-hour end-of-year documentary or like a, a five-episode, you know, one hour at a time? You know, end of the season, it comes out and drops like quarterback? Or is this hard knock style? We're going to get an episode a week as the season goes. What's the plan here? So I don't have any further details on that at this time, and maybe maybe there's been some follow-up. But my hope is that, you know, it's like they do it with hard knocks. I mean, they, let's scramble. Let's find out what happened on that last homestand the Wednesday after. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want to see in, in, in kind of real time if there's implosions and meltdowns and the good and the bad and, and everything in between. If it's, you know, even listen, even if it's hours at the end of the season, it'll still be great. Even if it's once a month, it'll still be great. These guys are so good at this. I don't even know what production team is doing it. I don't even care. Like, if you're under the Netflix umbrella at this point and you have a sports documentary going in, I'll, I'll watch something about cycling. I'll watch things about an obscure uh, wrestling federation that I've never heard of. I don't give a damn. These guys are amazing at this. It's excellent entertainment. Yeah, facts. I mean, the NASCAR one that just came out was it's really, really good. Phenomenal. I watched that in two nights. It was like, Four episodes, I think, an hour a pop. I want, I wanted a dozen more. Exactly. Yeah, they do a good job of that too. By the way, I don't think I've ever gotten to like episode seven of nine and said, "I got to slog through the rest of this." And they do leave you wanting more, which is a you know frustrating, but a good thing probably business wise. I think by design, they're never you know they're they're not oversaturating with mm-hmm. number of episodes. I just think with a baseball season, it's so long. We're talking about 162 games. 185 or so business days. Yep. It's quite literally six months. It's going to be hard to do that as well if you're just doing an end of year, even if it's you know four or five eps and five hours or something. Sure, you, you, there's enough content. It's all going to work. I think a weekly release from Netflix, which they don't really, they're not in the business of that necessarily, but I think that would be awesome. So they've like got a, a, yeah, some of their knocks. tentpole shows. They'll do you know once a week. It comes out on a on a Thursday night or, or things they like do? that. Not that often, but it does happen sometimes. They, they, they will do those um, on occasion to try to get people, you know, piecemeal to, to, to get them onto the, onto the app. To, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Not prescribe. Subscribe. Thank you. Uh, very, not as often, but they have done those. It's going to be out in 2025, I'm looking at. Yes, we got to wait. Our buddy uh, Kyle Brostowitz actually just hit me up and sent me some notes on this. So, yeah, Netflix's first MLB documentary series followed by – uh, yeah, 2024 season, so that's too bad. I mean, it's going to be amazing. Don't get me wrong. Right. I just have to wait a long time. I don't want to do that. I'm very impatient, uh, and I will enjoy it thoroughly. So it's going to be a lot like full swing, quarterback, mm-hmm. the NASCAR joint. It'll be their version. They'll put their 
touch on the Major League Baseball season, and we'll follow the Red Sox all season long. So it'll kill it. Uh, I just, I'd love, baseball tried this. They did it with Showtime at one point. If you the relievers the, show? Yeah. yeah. Well, the San Francisco Giants thing, you know, like their own hard knocks. I, I want for baseball something throughout the season on a week-to-week basis. Mm-hmm. I think that's really good. Uh, time for my double play. So your pal was sitting at Circus Sportsbook last night. I was watching College Hoops, watching Giannis and Milwaukee against Phoenix. I had the Vegas Golden Knights game in front of me. It was it was a good night. Everyone was having fun. I bring this up to tell you Ryan Clary is a young man. Mm-hmm. He is, I think, 23 years old, 22 years old, whatever he is. 24 People, now, Grant. 24. Is he? Wow. Yeah, he's getting up there. People his age don't know what it's like. To have had to go into a restaurant and say non-smoking. These buildings out here still, yeah, in a very antiquated and frankly unacceptable way, mm-hmm. they're smoking everywhere inside at these casinos. And it gives you a headache. Oh, it's, it's the worst. stuffy and stale. Lock all my clothes are going to smell awful when I get home. And I don't think they have a choice, to be honest with you. Like, I'd love to just say touch a button and... Get people to stop smoking. I think Westgate did that. I know they did it their sports book. But by and large, everywhere you go in Vegas and these casinos, people could be chilling next to you smoking. But it reminded me of yesteryear. And young people have no file, but every restaurant you used to go into, every bar certainly you ever hung out in, anywhere you went inside used to be like that. And it's not something I ever think about now, that it just smells amazing and it's not stuffy and it's not smoky and and gross. But do you remember when you would go oh, Rouillet's Party of Five and they would go smoking or non-smoking? How do old I school remember. is that? I mean, dude, it, it's it's all within my lifetime. Uh, we're going to bars. You, you'd come home and you, you'd have to shower and, like, Febreze your hair. I mean, disgusting. The, the, how, how unbelievably awful that was. And it was just standard. You just dealt with it. And the worst was, you know, like when you'd show up at the restaurant and – the only table we have left is in smoking, and it's like, ugh, fine. Do I want to wait? Would you take it? I mean, it depends. You know, like both my parents smoked for for a number of years, but like you'd they'd find a way to like not like like blow it in the kid's face, you know. But like still, when you're there, there's none, there's nowhere to go. Just these fiends. Like before, well, we haven't had the appetizer yet. I should fire up a cigarette. Well, now my steak's here. I need a cigarette. Like disgusting, horrible, awful, affecting other people. I mean, thank God that change has been made pretty much everywhere else. But, yeah, dude, it, it, is, it is a thing. It is a struggle that young people just have no idea what we're talking about. Just breathing. Yep. Sitting somewhere and not getting a headache. Like, those things are difficult when you're in a room with stale, decade-old smoke. Just which nat- It never comes out. No, it's bad. So, wait, did your parents smoke when you were a kid, like, oh, yeah. in your house? Oh, yeah. So your house smelled like smoke. In, in Yeah, so it was like, it was one of those things where it it wasn't like, I don't know how to describe it. The worst was on road trips, right, okay. where my parents had to, like, bribe my sister and I with, like, candy or, like, bags of M&M's so that we wouldn't complain because we hated it so much. It's like you're in this confined space, you know, where the AC is either you have AC and you're comfortable temperature-wise, but there's just smoke billowing in your eye sockets, or the windows are down and you get a headache from, like, the like the stupid air and you're uncomfortable, you know, so that the smell dissipates. It just was awful. But, uh, yeah, inside it was more like they would find zones – so it wasn't like the whole house was ruined, you know? But still, it was it was reprehensible and stupid. 
Got a huge back half of the show today on Grant and Danny. We're going to be joined at 4.30 by Danny Cannell. Want to get his thoughts on the top quarterback prospects Washington's going to be considering at number two. In the 5 o'clock hour, former NFL GM Michael Lombardi, Dan Orlovsky stopping by, Mark Schlereth will be with us from Radio Road today as well. We're going to be busy. Just talked to uh, the guy walking around with Baker Mayfield. He, of course, played for Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech. Might grab him for a few minutes today. So going to be a very, very good rest of this program. You're listening to G&D, your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Steve Trevino at MGM National Harbor. Comes your way at the top of the hour ahead of the Beltway Blitz. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on podcasts whatever you love hear it right here on TuneIn. go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road any road the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 